Blog Talk Radio. We continue now our series titled Wisdom for Happy, Successful Living. And this is an esoteric study of selected parables of Jesus. In this session, we are studying the parable of the pearl of great price. And we would do well to review at this time our definition of parable. Parable is from a Greek term which means a comparison. My definition for parable is that a parable is a two-story story. One story being obvious or exoteric, E-X-O-T-E-R-I-C, the other story being esoteric or within the story or within the outer story. I simply like to say a parable is a story within a story. It is a two-story story. There are two stories running parallel for comparison. Now, the parable of the pearl of great price. You will find the text in the Bible, in the Gospel according to St. Matthew, the 13th chapter, the 45th through the 46th verses, and I shall read the text to you. Again, the kingdom of heaven is like unto a merchant man seeking goodly pearls, who, when he had found one pearl of great price, went and sold all he had and bought it. This parable of the pearl of great price is among those parables of Jesus called the kingdom of heaven parable because they and this particular parable speak of the kingdom of heaven. The burden of Jesus' message is to show us what the kingdom of heaven is like. Therefore, his language, the kingdom of heaven is like, the kingdom of heaven is like unto. For the purpose of this study, the term kingdom of heaven means the mind and its thinking processes. So what Jesus is teaching us in these parables is what the mind is like. For the kingdom of God in man is the mind of God operating in and through man. It gives you some idea of how important it is to understand the mind and its processes, your mind and its processes. As a matter of fact, the real purpose of the whole Bible is to show you the processes of your mind and how they work. Dr. Bachman has a very interesting book titled The Bible as the Story of You. And that very title tells it all. Everything in the Bible is the story of the working of the mind, the story of mind and its processes. It is really the story of the working of your consciousness. All of the characters and the events and the places in the Bible are portrayals of the working of the mind, portrayals of the working of consciousness, your consciousness. Take the leading character of the Christian scriptures, for example, Jesus. Jesus is 
far more than simply a theological figure, far more than just a historical figure. If all you get out of the Christian scriptures and Jesus in particular is just the story of a theological character or an historical character, you have missed Jesus as well as the whole video Christian scriptures. Jesus in the scriptures represents the God-conscious man. Jesus is the realization and the demonstration of the God-conscious man, the man who is conscious of who and what he is in God and who and what God is in him. Jesus is that mind of God in man which knows its oneness with God. We hear Jesus saying again and again, I and my Father are four. I and my Father are one. And so even that is a, is a giveaway in a sense, but the theologians missed it. I and my Father are one. I am this mind which knows my oneness with God. I am this mind which knows my oneness with God. That may be grammatically incorrect, but it is mystically and spiritually correct. So repeat after me. I am this mind, I am this mind. which knows my oneness with God. Now that's Jesus. That's Jesus. That's the Christ. And so in these parables of the kingdom of heaven, we are dealing with mind and its processes as the kingdom of God in man. And it's a wonderful thing to watch the processes of mind. In this parable of the pearl of great price, Jesus repeats and I repeat the text again. The kingdom of heaven is like unto a merchant man. The mind is like a merchant man seeking goodly pearl, seeking the real values of life, health, happiness, love, success, prosperity, and infinite money. Who, when he had found one pearl of great price, went and sold all that he had and bought it. A very shrewd merchant this mind is. Every mind is a merchant man. Just as I showed you how the mind is always marrying and divorcing, marrying whatever idea it accepts and divorcing every idea it rejects, Again, we're studying about the mind. You see, we're always talking about the mind. I don't care how you put it. The Bible talks about the mind in hundreds, yea, thousands of different ways. But, ladies and gentlemen, the Bible is really never, ever talking about anything but the mind. Consciousness. Every mind is a merchant man. And the mind is always buying and selling Selling and buying. Your mind is a busy place. Your mind is doing business all the time. Even when you're asleep, your mind is doing business. For again, there are two major departments of mind, conscious and subconscious. 
And even while you are asleep at night on the conscious mind level, the subconscious mind is doing business. This is why a lot of things happen to people and they don't know how or why. And they said, oh, tell me that I thought this up. What you subconsciously believe is always doing business in the marketplace of life. T.P. Quimby, a great and early mind scientist, said these words, I found that if I really believed something, it would happen whether I was consciously thinking about it or not. Once that deep subconscious level of mind buys an idea, marries an idea, that idea will be busy buying every other idea that goes along with it and selling the same. This is a part of the meaning of the scripture. The heart is deceitful above all things and desperately wicked. Who can know it? The heart is desperately wicked. There's a better way to translate that. The heart is very secretive. The conscious mind is not always aware of what's in the subconscious. And this is why many times things will crop up that the conscious mind doesn't even know about or even forgot about. Not only does the subconscious mind buy ideas from the conscious mind, but the subconscious mind many times buys direct from the universal subconscious, wholesale, skipping the retail level. How many ideas have individuals subconsciously bought wholesale? When did you first buy the idea that you were going to die? You don't know. You bought that subconscious to subconscious. Where do people get their various negative ideas? If I were to list ideas, well, you take the idea of physical death, for example. Very few people can tell me the exact time, place, when you bought the idea of physical death. Just like that, you have subconsciously bought a lot of other ideas, subconscious to subconscious. Write a question. Where did I get this idea? and probe yourself for all of the basic ideas that you accept. Because you see, whatever idea is in your subconscious mind, it's going to be buying and selling according to its nature. And so you bought a lot of stuff and didn't even know when you bought it. Every mind is a merchant man in the marketplace of life. Every mind is continually doing business, buying and selling whatever it believes. What are you buying? What are you selling? Whose religion have you bought? The God you believe in, you bought him too. Some of you have bought Billy Graham's God. Some of you bought John Calvin's God. A few of you bought Reverend Ike's God. A lot of you bought your mama's God. Not too many of you have bought your own God. Paul had gone through that process, and this is why we hear him say in many of his letters, My God. You see, you've got to buy your own concept of God. This is the true meaning of the Christian invitation which says accept Jesus Christ as your personal Savior. You have got to make God personal to you. And you've got to be sure that it is your concept. Mama's God just may not serve your purpose.
Some of you bought the Baptist God. Some of you bought the Catholic God. Some of you bought the Lutheran God or the Presbyterian God or the God of some other evangelist. Some of you might have bought Jonathan Edwards' God, the God that delights in dropping sinners into the pits of hell. I won't call his name, but I heard an evangelist on television saying how he woke up one night just burdened for souls because he saw souls just dropping into hell. Well, I will not buy his God. The hell with his God. I'm not buying any God that delights in dropping souls into hell. Of course, that gives the evangelist good job. Uh, the soul-saving business is very profitable. Ladies and gentlemen, make no mistake about it. What you subconsciously believe about God is a part of your self-concept, right? What concept of God have I bought? Closely examine your concept of God. You're a merchant man. You have bought somebody's God. I have an interesting experience all the time whenever I meet a person who calls himself or herself an atheist or an agnostic. And you know what I've really found out about atheists and agnostics? It's not that they don't believe in God as such. It's just that they won't buy the God of organized religion. I mean, don't call a man an atheist because he won't buy Reverend Ike God or Billy Graham's God. Don't call a man an atheist because he won't buy the Lutheran God or the Baptist God or the Holy Rollers God. Again, getting back to Paul who had decided his own concept of God so that he referred to my God. In one place he says, my God shall supply all your needs. <laughs> now I'll buy that concept. We heard a testimony from a young lady here about her aunt who was dying with cancer in the final stages, thinking with it. And she came here and she was even afraid to ask us to pray for her aunt because her aunt belonged to a church where they believed that that was God's will, that sickness was God's will. You see that bill of goods that that woman bought? So anyway, this lady dying with cancer had obviously bought the God of the church that she belonged to. And it weighed heavily on the heart of her niece who wanted to ask for prayer. And she said, she says, well, I'm going to ask any. And through our assistance, and her as a point of contact, we were able to help her aunt so that she's up and doing fine. All of the concepts that you buy, consciously and subconsciously, these are the things that determine your experience of life. The kingdom of heaven is like a merchant man. The mind is like a merchant man. And what does a merchant man do? He buys and sells. You know, you're in big business. You're in the biggest business there is, and it's really the father's business. But you've got to do your business right. You've got to do your business positively. Mind is the biggest business in the universe. Together? Mind is the biggest business in the universe. And that's what we're about here. And this is what Jesus is trying to tell us. The kingdom of heaven is light. The mind of God operating in man is light. Thus and so. I want you to really work with that question. Whose religion have I bought? Whose who God have I bought? In dealing with the children of Israel in the Old Testament Scripture, Jehovah was constantly warning the children of Israel, meaning those who know the law, those who know the Lord, 
the one law of mind, the one law of consciousness. He was constantly saying to them, don't get mixed up with the gods of the Amorites and the Jebusites. Don't get mixed up with the strange gods of Egypt. Don't get mixed up with these gods. Don't get mixed up with those gods. Don't get mixed up with those strange beliefs. The main and most important business of the mind is not to get mixed up with other gods, meaning the belief in other causes other than mind, other than consciousness, other than awareness. That's your constant business. Regardless of how circumstances may look or appear, don't get mixed up with idol gods. Don't get mixed up with other gods. And the moment you blame something else or somebody else, you've got another god. But it's me, it's my mind that I've got to get straightened out. I am the merchant in my mind. I'm the one who bought some idea that I shouldn't have bought and I've got to get rid of it. Don't ever buy the idea that anything can happen or be apart from consciousness. That's the false god. That's the idol god. Don't do business with that idea. Another question you may write. What, what ideas have I bought about myself? Do you realize a lot of people have bought the idea that they're no good? And unwittingly, sometimes parents and loved ones will sell children that idea. You're no good because your daddy's no good. Ran off and left me. Your granddaddy was no good. You'll never amount to anything. You know, parents get irritated with their children and just let out a whole long list of negatives. And you know what? Subconsciously, the child buys that. Lady, don't you ever, no matter how irritated you get with your kids, don't you ever say you'll never be any good. Don't you ever make a negative remark about that child. You correct that child, absolutely, but do not ever impress upon that child a negative idea of himself or herself. Never even jokingly. When you see kids playing, sometimes, you know, you, I would hear parents look at kids and say, oh, isn't kid? oh that's a bad child. <laughs> Be careful, that'll meet you at the jailhouse at 3 o'clock one morning. And you'll wonder why. Oh, I tried so hard to raise this child. What idea did you sell that child about himself? A child is subconsciously buying ideas about himself long before his conscious reasoning is developed. A baby in the crib is subconsciously buying ideas. The way that child is touched, the way that child is handled, tells that child something. It tells that child, I am loved or I am not loved. If a child ever buys the idea, I am not loved, he'll have problems. I had the privilege of being a guest at a colloquium at Harvard Medical School Department of Psychiatry. It was very interesting. They tried to get uh, the psychiatrist to debate me, but they said, no, we won't debate him because we're really telling the same thing. But anyway, this is why psychiatrists are having such a terrible time trying to straighten people out. Because certain subconscious self-concepts are so deeply ingrained into people, even, as I say, from infancy. The subconscious level of mind in people does not have to become developed like the conscious level. Because at the subconscious level, you are eternal. The subconscious mind functioning in an infant functions just as perfectly as it does in a 90-year-old person. It's just as impressionable and just as reactive and responsive. Though the baby's 
conscious mind isn't developed yet, the intellect isn't developed yet, that subconscious mind is perfectly impressionable. And I'm being purposely redundant about this. So that the infant can tell by the way it is handled. I am love. I am not love. And if that subconscious in that child, that baby, or that person ever gets the idea, I am not love. That's why people become criminals. You know, they're really asking for love. Do you know that? Do you know that hardened criminals are asking for love? They're begging for love. It's a hell of a way to do it. It's a negative way to do it. But, I mean, all, all, all of these people who do these terrible things, they're begging for love. Will somebody please notice me? Somebody please love me. Somebody please pay attention to me. So I'll go up here and I'll just jump off of the bridge and maybe somebody will notice me. Or maybe if I commit some other act of terror, somebody will notice me. Another thing, I'm going to give you an advantage right now that you probably could never get on a psychiatrist's couch for 50 years. And I want you to probe yourself with this and write this question down. Do I really believe that I am loved? As long as you have doubts in the depth of your heart as to whether or not you are loved, you are going to have serious problems of all time that you would never connect with that. But let me give you now at least a part of the panacea for the situation, whether or not you believe other people love you. Be sure you love yourself correctly. Be sure you love yourself correctly. Now, and I'm not talking about egotism. See, this is why a lot of times, you know, if you just, if you just hear me through the outer ear, you, you say, oh, that Reverend Ike is an egotist. He teaches people to go around saying, I'm God. And, and I'm this and I'm that, you know. He's proud. It's like some movie star got on television the other night who told me and said, and said, yeah, that Reverend Ike worships money. He said he only heard this without a ear. And when I say money, I'm talking about something much, much greater. As a matter of fact, I gave one of my definitions for money. Money is the energy of the mind. <laughs> the silver, the gold, and the paper, those are only symbols. But money is the energy of the mind. And what did I say Sunday? And the same thing in slightly different words. Money is a way of thinking. <laughs> All right, let's get back to this subconscious impression. Now, you have got to probe yourself with this when you get home. Do I really believe that I am loved? Do I really love myself correctly? Do I value myself correctly? And you see, the true way to value and love yourself correctly is to come to know who and what you are in God and who and what God is in you. I heard the television preacher spend an hour talking about the same idea Sunday. I said, this is amazing. And he catches himself every once in a while and says, now this is not mind science, but. I said, now listen at that. He's talking about, you know, who the believer is in Christ and who Christ is in the believer. I said, well, listen to this. Ten, thirteen years ago when I started teaching this, they all said, that Ike is terrible. 
I'm going to give the Christians five more years, and they're going to, they, you watch, you won't be able to tell them from me. As I live, saith the Lord, every knee shall bow to me, and every tongue shall confess. It comes to them, and they, they catch themselves saying it, and then they have to backtrack and deny it. <laughs> so then, your real self-value should be based on your divinity. Not on your human family background as such, as good as that may be. Not even on whether or not you are so-called illegitimate child. There are no illegitimate children except those who do not know who their daddy is. The only illegitimate children there are are those who do not know that God is their father. I had a very interesting case with a young man maybe a year or two ago. He was really on a trip, a very brilliant young man. He's done a great job with himself intellectually and professionally. But he has had this problem of wanting to know who his father is. He doesn't really know who his father is. So I told him, God is your father. And you are illegitimate until you know that. Put it more grossly, you're a bastard until you know that I and my father are one. And you see, man subconsciously and unconsciously thinks of himself and treats himself like a bastard until he knows that God is his father. <laughs> and in turn, the world will treat you like a bat until you know who your father is. And you see, in that, you must have the assurance that God loves you. So let me give you another question here to put on that sheet. Do I really believe that God loves me? That beautiful Christian hymn is so wonderful, and it's such good self-image psychology for children. Yes, Jesus loves me. Isn't that wonderful? I remember when I was in the Air Force once, we visited a certain Presbyterian church in upstate New York, and the hymn that day was, Jesus loves me. It was, it was so beautiful. I am so glad that Jesus loves me. Now, that's fantastic self-image psychology. If you really want to be happy and well-adjusted in life, you must love yourself correctly. You must believe that God loves you. And you must find a comfort and a security in that. And if you love yourself correctly, if you believe that God loves you, if you believe that you are loved, this will do more for your ego than a million psychiatrists. Because the psychiatrists are doing what they can, but they only go so far. That uh, Harvard psychiatrist that they tried to get to debate me in Boston, Massachusetts, and who wound up inviting me to the colloquium at the School of Psychiatry at, at Harvard it was very interesting. He told me that they had, the psychiatrist had a convention at a certain hotel in Chicago, and the psychiatrist drank more liquor than any other convention that they had ever had at that hotel. And well, they might listening to all those tales of woe <laughs> day in and day out. Also, the suicide rate is high among psychiatrists. 
Uh, one of the reasons I would suggest is because perhaps a lot of people going into psychiatry, they're really looking for the answer for themselves. As a matter of fact, people do a lot of things and they're subconsciously looking for the answer. There's mind behind everything. People who kill themselves, you know what they're really, they're not really trying to destroy themselves. You know what they're trying to do? They're trying to destroy the problem. They're trying to get away from it. And so they've gotten to the point where they just, they have run out of everything else. This is why Jesus, the Master, tells us, stop judging. Stop condemning. But if any of you are contemplating suicide, you're not going to get away that way. When you leave your body, whether by your own hand or by some other means, one thing goes with you, your consciousness. That's the only thing that you take. And you see, then your consciousness continually builds a body. Consciousness inevitably embodies itself. Please remember this. And your body is not just your physical body, but all of your affairs constitute the body. Consciousness inevitably embodies itself. Mind inevitably expresses itself. It is the nature of mind to express. It is the nature of consciousness to experience. It is the nature of consciousness to embody itself. And may I tell you that for all eternity, your consciousness will be continually embodying itself according to its nature. And so if you build a heavenly consciousness, your consciousness will build a heavenly embodiment. But it does not have to wait until you leave your present physical body. So no person is any better off or worse off just because they die physically. Physical death doesn't make you anything. Nothing. That's why it doesn't bother me. It doesn't bother me at all. Because in the first place, I'm not death, I'm life. Jesus said, if you believe in me, you'll never see death. Now, when, if I should happen to, to decide to leave this body, the folks that I leave behind may see death, but I won't. Because they'll, they'll look and some may not have any better sense than to mourn and groan and weep and say he's dead. Don't tell that lie on me if you're around. When I go, thou shalt not bear false witness. I brought my life here when I came here. And when I go, I'm taking it. I'm taking it to a greater embodiment. Not only that, I've been, I've been receiving greater and greater embodiments even while I'm here. Physically and otherwise. Even my physical body is in better and better shape all the time. I don't know what people are talking about old age for. From everlasting to everlasting, thou art God. Every seven years, you know, you even have a new physical body. You may not know that. The body is complete, the physical body is completely rebuilt every seven years. You do not have the same cells, not one, the seven-year cycle. That's why, you know, we've taught you the secrets of the numbers. And some of you played them, and some of you understood what I was talking about on that level. 
And some of you understood what I was talking about on the other level. <laughs> but what I was trying to tell you is something else. <laughs> Seven represents a cycle of completeness. Lord, help the number players tomorrow. <laughs> oh, boy, they've got me so that... Even the FBI and the postal inspectors and the Secret Service have investigated me about that. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. They say I'm good at that. Well, anything, you know, it's the level you work on. So now let's get back to the other level. Seven represents what? The completion of a cycle. A complete cycle. And this is why it represents this. The earth was finished with its creating in seven days. And so every seven years, you have completely new cells, even in your physical body, and those cells are built according to the nature of your beliefs. Those cells, those cells are built out of your consciousness. This is why you had better, as the gospel song says, sow righteous seeds. The kingdom of heaven is light unto a merchant man seeking goodly pearls. Whenever you believe an idea, you buy it with the energy, the money of your mind, consciousness. Ladies and gentlemen, don't you ever forget, here again, just like I told you about the numbers, the same way I'm going to explain to you about money, on a different level altogether. When I say money, most people think I simply and only mean the green or the silver or the gold or the material level. Those are only symbols of what I'm really talking about. When I say money, I'm talking about the energy of the mind. Consciousness. I want to quote a profound statement by that eminent authority, Reverend Ike. Here it is. Consciousness is the only currency, and currency is only consciousness. Together. Consciousness is the only currency, and currency is only consciousness. Once you understand that money is the energy of the mind, then you know that you have just as much money as anybody else. But in order for you to get the most out of your money, the energy of your mind, you have to learn how it works and how to use it. God bless the Jews. You take a Jewish merchant. We're talking about a merchant man here. You take a merchant, give him $10, and he'll go to some factory and buy reject socks or handkerchiefs and sell them on a corner and perhaps make $100 out of that $10 and then go back and buy $100 worth of stuff and come back and sell it for 1000 Stick around a couple of years, he'll own that corner. 
A lot of people have $10. But what's the difference between that shrewd merchant's $10 and other people's $10? The way he uses the $10. The same way it is with the mind. The only difference between the rich and the poor is the way they use their mind. You see, in your mind, you can buy sorrow if you want to. Everything that you have, you bought it. You see, you're very rich. It may have been the misuse of the energy of your mind. This is why immediately when they talk about what kind of flu or sickness is going to be coming around that year, I don't buy that. But you see, you've got to be careful. If you don't buy it consciously, you'll buy it subconsciously. You've got to watch those headache commercials. Those headache commercials will not only sell you aspirin and excedrin, the first thing they have to sell you so that you can buy that stuff, they have to sell you pain first. Uh-oh. So you see, those commercials, they don't even realize what they're doing. They think that they're selling you medicine, but they're not selling you the medicine. They're selling you the sickness. You've got to be careful about the stuff that folks are selling in the marketplace of life. Stop using and misusing the, the energy of your mind to buy what you don't want. Boy, those soaps, boy, they do a job on you women. Oh, look at how he treated his wife. Next thing you know, you'll be one. I wonder if my husband's sneaking out on me too. People subconsciously buy a lot of things. Write down another question that you're going to have in your mind, and you're going to ask this question of everybody. And, you know, from time to time, you'll ask this even if you're watching television. What are you trying to sell me? <laughs> Every preacher you hear from now on, ask that dude, what are you trying to sell me? You had better start paying attention to what you're buying. The kingdom of heaven is like unto a merchant man. Remember this, everybody's selling something. I don't care what they tell you, the preachers, they're all selling something. A good God, a bad God, a winning deal, a losing deal, a heaven, a hell. But ask what? Uh, and you see, I'm putting myself right in there. Yes, I am. I am definitely a merchant man and a good one. But you see, I know my stuff and I guarantee my stuff. And I say, you can't lose with the stuff I use. And I caution you and I tell you, but you've got to work with the stuff for it to work for you. Don't you expect my stuff to work for you if you don't work with it. So you say that when you listen to me. What's he trying to tell me? Then after that, ask yourself the question. Is this stuff profitable? I'm not going to buy that. So you can't sell it here. And you need to learn how to say that to, to people, to preachers, to friends, to relatives. Don't waste your time. You're trying to sell me a God in the sky? You're trying to sell me pie in the sky by and by when I die? Is that what you're trying to sell me? Hey, between here and the promised land, I need some rent money. Between here and the land of milk and honey, I need some steaks. The kingdom of heaven is like a merchant man. So every mind, every man is selling something. 
You just look them right in the eyes and tell them, Reverend Ike told me to ask you, what you selling? Just tell me real quick, what are you selling? For the kingdom of heaven is like a merchant man. And stop all this unconscious buying and selling. Know what you're buying and when you're buying, who you're buying it from, what you're paying for it and what you're going to get back. With the energy of your mind, buy good health, happiness, love, success, prosperity, and money. Be careful how you use the energy of your mind. The only merchandise you have to sell in the marketplace of life is yourself. Your own self-consciousness, what you believe about yourself. For as a man thinks, so is he. Your value in the marketplace of life will be determined by your own self-image. The universal law of compensation. You always get paid for what? Your self-image. If you think you're nothing, that's what you get paid for. If a person thinks that he is not loved, that he is no good, that he is nothing, he will not even attempt to qualify himself. If you do not believe that you can be better, do better, and have better, you won't even try to qualify yourself. You won't try to upgrade yourself. And as I told you and warned you about also, it doesn't mean you can get straight up out of here and go back to your job tomorrow and say, hey, look, raise my salary $40,000 more. You have to do what? Qualify yourself. But unless you have a good self-image, you won't even try. So in the marketplace of life, you are selling really only you. What you think about yourself, what you value yourself as. Ultimately, in the marketplace of life, the world will put the same value on you that you truly put on yourself. And I'm not talking about, again, egotism and inflated self-conceit. Even the jivesters and the hucksters can look through self-conceit and see that's nothing. And they're not going to buy that. Because a person who truly and correctly values himself again will always be qualifying himself so that he can give more in the marketplace of life. And the more you give of yourself in the marketplace of life, the more that life pays you. You can only give that which you believe you are, which you believe you have, and which you qualify yourself to give. And then again, as I say, in the marketplace of life, you get paid back according to the quality and the quantity of that which you give. Another quotation from Reverend Ike, that eminent authority. Believe in yourself correctly, and others will believe in you. You see, correct self-belief is contagious. I like to see a person who knows where he's going, who knows what he's about. And many times, even out there in the world of business, the person who gets a deal or a contract or a business is the person who believes in himself and he gets it on the basis of his self-confidence. Many times people will say to you, well, I'm going to do this for you just because I like you. And sometimes it may be perfect strangers. They never saw you before. He just said, just something about you that I like. That's all. Just something about you that I like. Because here again, you know, your self-image is always subconsciously communicating with other people. This is why many times people will react to you in certain ways and they won't even know why. It's your self-value communicating subconsciously. In the business of life, you should always be seeking the pearl of great price, the one thing that is worth everything, the one thing that is anything, and that is the knowledge that I am God 
and there is none else. Now, here's the pearl of great price. Knowing I am God and there is none else. Knowing that the awareness of being what I want to be is the only way to be what I want to be. The awareness of being what I want to be is the way to be what I want to be. Now, you run that around in your head until you understand it. It's a riddle. So if I want to be successful, the only way for me to be successful is to be aware that I am successful. And that's present tense. Get out of your mind. I will be. I would like to be. I wish I were. And get to I am. God is I am, not I will be. I am. Visualization is a technique that is so valuable because visualization says I am. It shuts out the physical senses which say to you, you are not. And you shut in with that state of consciousness which says, I am. When you discover this pearl of great price, you sell out all other beliefs and invest all the energy, the money of your mind in it. You sell out all your beliefs in other powers, other causes, other sources, and buy this one God. This one power, this one cause, this one source of all good. So you see, you got a selling job to do. There is but one presence and one power, God the good omnipotent. I sell all other ideas. There is only one way for me to be what I want to be, and that is for me to be aware that I am that. I am that I am. From now throughout eternity... This is the only merchandise that you will buy and sell, and it will prosper you and all who buy it infinitely and eternally. You're buying and selling the consciousness of God, the consciousness of good, the consciousness of health, happiness, love, success, prosperity, and money. The knowledge of I am is the pearl of great price. The knowledge that I am the door is the pearl of great price. Your mind is to sell out any other idea, all other ideas. Your mind is to withdraw all of its energies, all of its investments in ideas that there are other causes, other powers, or other gods besides I am. And buy into this I am idea with all of the money, all of the energy of the mind. Stop giving the energy of your mind to the devil, to negative ideas. Stop paying out the energy of your mind to hatred and to unforgiveness. Stop paying out the energy of your mind to ideas of sickness and Beliefs of failure and poverty. Sell all of those negative thoughts, moods, attitudes, and ideas. Get the energy of your mind back out of all of these negative thoughts, moods, attitudes, and ideas. You see, you must unscatter the energies of your mind. You pay the energy of your mind to everybody or everything that you believe is against you. You see, because if you believe you have an enemy, you buy an enemy. That's mental energy that you pay it out.
in that idea. And baby, it's going to cost you plenty. Withdraw all of the images of your mind from every thought, mood, attitude, idea, and belief in other powers, in negative ideas, and by the one God idea, the I am idea, the idea that the awareness of being what I want to be is the way to be what I want to be. Jesus said it, I am the way. Say that with me. I am the way. Say it again. I am the way. The third time. I am the way. I am. Awareness of being. If I want to be rich, how do I be rich? By being aware that I am rich. That's the door. I am the door as well. All means the same thing. Awareness of being what I want to be is the door through which I enter into that which I want to be. I am the life. The awareness of being what I want to be is that which gives life to that which I want to be. I am the resurrection. The awareness of being what I want to be resurrects what I want to be as me. This is the pearl of great price. And it's worth you selling out your negative ideas. It's worth you selling out your idol gods. And all of the money, the energy of your mind that you bought sickness with. Sell it! Sell that negative idea of sickness. And buy the pearl of great price. Visualization, as far as I'm concerned, better than any other technique. Visualization says I am. If you want to be something... You must absolutely say, I am that. This is the meaning of, I am that I am. Go unto Pharaoh, Jehovah said to Moses, and tell Pharaoh, I am sent you. The awareness of being is always sending you. Always sending you. In life, you only go where I am sends you. Meaning you go where your belief sends you. You go where your attitude sends you. You go where your self-image sends you. You go where what you feel about yourself sends you. I am have sent me unto you. This is why in prayer the Master Jesus said, Now when you pray, go into your secret closet and shut the door. You are to shut out the physical senses that tell you that I am not what I want to be. You must shut out everything that disputes what you want to be. Shut it out! Your physical eyes may tell you, I'm poor. Look at the rags I'm wearing. You must go into your secret closet and shut that out because it says, I am not. And then commune with your father, which sees in secret. Dwell with I am. You see, you must shut out I am not <laughs> and shut in with I am. The discomforts and the pain of the body may tell you, I am not well. But you must move out of that state of consciousness into the consciousness which tells you, I am well. And you see, this is what prayer is. This is what meditation is. And most of all, this is what visualization is. You shut out all of the sights and the sounds and the feelings and the facts that tell you, I am not. And you shut in with, I am that. I am. 
And you see, in visualization, you are using your five spiritual senses instead of the five natural senses. And in one of our other lessons, we're going to get to the, to the ten virgins, you see. The ten virgins really represent the five senses. The five senses in the material realm are the foolish virgins. The five senses in the spiritual realm are the wise virgins. They have oil. They have light. And we are not to live in the five senses or in the sense consciousness in material realm continually all the time. This is why mankind is in trouble. Mankind continually just lives in a material sense of self. He lives in those five senses which have no light, no oil. Those senses tell man, I am not well. And as I say, we don't, we don't dispute that. That's a fact. That's in the realm of fact. The five senses tell man, or the material sense tells man, I am not well. I am poor. I am not having enough. But when you go into your secret closet, you move into the room with the Lord and shut the door. You shut out, I am not. And shut in with I am that I am. And then you use your spiritualized senses. You see with the eye of the mind of the light of the mind which has the oil of the Holy Ghost. And with the light of the mind drawing its sustenance from the oil of the Holy Spirit, then you see him as he is. Then with the light of the mind burning with the oil of the Holy Spirit, you see the whole spirit, the spirit of wholeness, then you see yourself whole. This is what happens in visualization. Be you holy, for I, the Lord your God, am holy in the room with the Lord, with the light of the mind burning brightly, sustained by the oil of the Holy Spirit, you see yourself complete. As the Bible says, you are complete in Him. The truth is, you are already complete. You don't lack a thing. You can't see it with your physical eyes. No man can say that Jesus is the Christ except by the Holy Spirit. Beloved, now are we the sons of God. It does not yet appear. It doesn't appear to the material senses. But we know that when, when he shall appear, when the light of the mind, when the mind is enlightened and burning with the oil of the Holy Spirit, then you see that we are like him and because we see him as he is. And we have got to stop living in the five-sense world of want, lack, limitation, sickness, poverty, and hatred, and malice, and problems, and be filled with the Holy Spirit, the whole Spirit. That's what it means. The Spirit of wholeness, the Spirit of completeness, so that the Holy Spirit, the oil of the Holy Spirit, can sustain the light of the mind so that we can see the Christ, the Son of the living God, in us and through us and as us. <laughs>